2: Hello, you are listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and this is the final episode of 2018. I still remember back in March of 2018 when I first launched the podcast. I was actually out in Oregon, out in the woods, for a women's retreat that I was a part of. I had already recorded like four or five episodes at this point, and I just had not pressed the publish button on Podbean because of vulnerability and fear. (laughs) And I remember being out in the woods, and I decided now's a better time than ever to press publish because, hey, it might not actually even publish because the service is so bad out here in the woods. (laughs) But I pushed publish, and it went through. And after about four or five days of a vulnerability hangover, I was really able to lean into the experience of having this space and hosting this podcast. I am so grateful for the connections I got to make and conversations I got to have. I learned a lot. And I'm just really grateful for all of you who have been listening and following along. This is the 37th episode of the podcast, and I do hope to come back in the new year in 2019 at some point. Um, but during the break, I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of the old episodes that maybe you missed, and or re-listen to some of them that really resonated. I'm really excited to have my good friend Kelly Murray on this final episode of 2018. Kelly is an artist, she's a designer, she owns two companies, Riley and Crew, children's brand, as well as the sister company, Quincy May. In this episode, we cover so much ground. I really struggled with even knowing what to name the episode because there's just so much in here. Kelly shares with us her background and how she came to the work that she's doing. We also go beyond the brand to talk about motherhood, being a mom, owning two businesses, the myth of balance, and what that actually looks like. Kelly also opens up and shares with us her history of health issues and her experience of chronic pain and how spirituality intersects with all of this. This is a pretty vulnerable conversation between two friends that Kelly was gracious enough to allow me to record and to share with all of you. I'm deeply grateful this was Kelly's first time on a podcast sharing her story. I'm grateful to all of you who are listening and sharing this space with me. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your year and I hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. So I am sitting here with my good friend Kelly Murray. Hi Kelly, thanks for Hi guys. thanks for doing this. <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm super excited. This is fun. I mean, you know, we are both really busy, so it's hard for us to get together, and I'm just I'm just grateful to have time to come into your home and, like, just have quality time with you. Same. I feel <laughs> like you're, like, the easiest person ever to talk to, so I love it. So maybe we could start off with talking a little bit about how we met. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about this on the drive over here, because I was like, there's so many memories early on, but they all kind of get muddled, Much, so I was I like, what came first? And I think... I think I first met you at an event that UTC. was at UTC. Yeah. And then after that, I reached out to you about designing invitations yep. for mm-hmm. Riley for my daughter's birthday. Yeah. And but then I'm like, but then how did we go, how did how did we go from like that. I'm I'm <laughs> paying you to do this to like the the friendship that we have? I actually today. don't know either. But I think we started, we, I mean, so you did that. So we were, and we were talking, but then, but then there must've been another event that happened where we just connected saw each other in person yeah. and connected. Um, I mean, a really profound memory for me was when we were at the beach for an event that we were both a part of a photo shoot yeah. and we showed up wearing the same dress Yes, and we were, yes. and we were both, <laughs> <laughs> like we were, we were both pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um we had both also experienced a pregnancy loss before that pregnancy. Yeah. And so I think that was that it. it was And I think we just connected because
3: both our daughters were named Riley. Right. We both miscarried at around the same time. We yeah. both had showed babies up, in our belly. Showed like, up
2: at the same dress the, yeah. <laughs> announcing that we were, we were like, we're just destined to be friends. I mean, yeah. It was uh, it was almost like something was like I felt like it was like smacking and like to show up in the same dress and yeah. sa- announcing at the same time that we were pregnant <laughs> yeah. and that our babies were too. It was like Stop one of those. Copying things. Me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but it was like there was this like signal of like you are meant to be connected to this person. Yeah. Um and then so we were we were we became good friends after that. And then I think then losing a mutual friend just like Yeah, we went through that together. Really deepened um, that friendship. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I... I know that a lot of people are probably curious because I asked you if you've been on a podcast before. And I'm, I'm your first.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to be your first. I love that I'm on a podcast and I'm not sitting up in front of like thousands of people because that's like my worst nightmare. So this feels like way more I doable. I know. I know. It's just me.
2: It's yeah. just you and me. It's just you and me and all the people that will listen. But <laughs> yeah. like, you don't have to. Like, I'm not thinking about that right <laughs> to now. Have to think about that. Um, so I'm sure that people are curious to hear more about your journey to the, the work that you do. So, um, for context, like y- before this episode, people have already heard, like I'll do a little like announcement of like wh- what you do and Yeah. Like, that okay. you're an artist and the work that you do and a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you share a little bit about how you came to doing the work that you do? How did you become an artist and a designer and yeah. a business owner? Oh gosh.
3: So I have a long, long answer and a short answer. Um, I'll try and do the middle one. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) Um, so I mean, I, have always kind of been creative ever since I've been little, I've been like the wild creative one trying to do art projects and painting and creativity has just always come really naturally, naturally to me. Um, I like started my own little business when I was in high school and I sewed skirts for my friends. I would like take them to the fabric store and we'd pick out a fabric and then they would like, I would sew it into a skirt and oh like everyone gosh. was wearing my, my little skirts, which were so bad, by the way.
2: Um, <laughs> I didn't, I did This is so like entrepreneurial. Nonsense.
3: Like I was just, I liked to figure out how to make money yeah. and, but I was creative. So that was, kind of, I feel like I've kind of always had creativity in me. Um, my dad was a silkscreen printer. He started a business out of his garage when I was two and grew it to like this big silkscreen company. So basically printing t-shirts. Um, so fashion and like kind of that design world has always been a part part of 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 me too. And I kind of probably first got introduced to that through my dad and just was, you know, interested in that whole world. So then fast forward to college, I went to college at FIDM, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandise, graduated in two years um, with a degree in product development. And at the same time, um, when I was in high school, I guess, back up in high school, my dad partnered with another guy, a young designer who started a men's brand um, called Jedediah, which also got me more super into the world of fashion and design. And. I kind of learned Photoshop and Illustrator and those programs on my own, then decided to go to college for it. Um, and right after college, worked for him for a couple years doing merchandising and graphic design yeah. for that company. Um, so that's kind of my short background yeah. of like getting involved in just kind of the fashion industry and creative world. Right. Um, and then... I got married, had a baby, (laughs) Um. (laughs) and uh, I realized I kind of wanted to be home with her more than at the office. Um, And so, like, for a couple years while I was still working for him, I was um, doing, I was getting really into painting. I actually did a lot of, like, street art, so I would do, like, murals and like live like events and stuff where I would like paint on like I didn't yeah that. like kind of wild like where? if you look back at my old old stuff it's like very different from what I do now but it's kind of just my beginning I like drew a lot yeah. of like girls with like long flowy hair and like but like it was like hard it was harder actually art for me because it wasn't it didn't come as naturally to as to what I do now it was
2: like on buildings
3: and just but, more
2: street art style. But I want, it's interesting that, like, your beginning would start with something that didn't just come naturally. Like you, but and I, I think, think I just
3: got inspired by the people around yeah. me. It was, like, the friends I was hanging out with, a lot of them were, like, doing that type of art. And I got inspired by, you know, one guy specifically who kind of took me under his wing and was like, let me show you how to do this. This is how you use the cans. And, like, this is how, you know, I paint. And so... I just got super inspired by him. and I mean,
2: do these exist anywhere, these walls? Um, the not art? personally.
3: Oh, oh, the artwork. Well, one is in Waco, Texas, which I think it's still there if you look it up. Waco, Texas at Common Grounds Coffee Shop. That's actually a good place where you can see like how it used to look. Wow. <laughs> it was like their mural. But this was like, done literally over 10 years ago. But it's still up there, which is shocking.
2: Can we go there someday? <laughs> yes, let's do it.
3: Um, so... Anyway, I, I had been doing art for a while and kind of started doing commission work and kind of after that got more inspired to do like watercolor, which it, I've honed my style more to more to what it is today. But, um, I did like, you know, invitations and logo design cause I was a graphic designer. So I kind of started building my portfolio of work personally on the side when I was still working for the brand. Um, And so I kind of felt once I had Riley that I was like at a place where I could go off and do freelance work because I had started a blog, which wasn't even a blog back then. It was like a news feed on my website page where it was like I just showed like the events I was a part of and the projects I was working on. And I was slowly building like a social following. I feel like at the time it wasn't even Instagram. No, it wasn't. It was like. Some other.
2: <laughs> what was it? I don't know. I think it was Facebook. You're, it you're aging yourself, yeah. yeah, Kelly. Like, like
3: I don't remember how I was sharing my stuff. Um, but anyway, I felt like I had enough people who knew what I was doing to be able to go to free, go freelance yeah. and
2: hopefully be able to make it well, at Because I'm time. remembering when I... I am remembering first coming across your work and like why I then was like, Oh, I want her to design my daughter's birthday invitations. Mm-hmm. It's because I like I felt like I also knew you like you were sharing parts of yourself as a person too. Like I knew that you were a mom and yes. I knew that like I don't know. So I think there was like there was there was that piece too. Like there was a there were glimpses into who you were as a person beyond mm-hmm. just being a really talented artist.
3: Yeah, yeah. so maybe Instagram was was it? I don't... I, I guess this was, let's see, 2000 and...
2: I feel like I first found your work on Pinterest. Maybe it was Pinterest. But then that, I think like that linked well, so, me to, like, your website and maybe through other social media platforms. What's really Facebook cool is
3: what I, like... M- m- a really cool memory for me is that I... One of my first art shows where I used to do a lot of paintings and, like, physical paintings where yeah. there were, like... We would, we would do gallery shows and stuff. Tori hosted and I remember her just being like this is the friend that Cassidy and I both lost a couple years ago Um, she was one of the biggest like fans of my art which like then led us to become I just loved her and like she was like so supportive of everything and she threw the first like solo art show that I ever did um, at Design Within Reach which is like the the company she was working for at the time Um, so that was just a really cool memory I feel like she was one of the first people that was like I love your stuff and like made me, and I really liked her style and everything she was like a part of. And I was like, well, that's cool. Someone else that like seems cool to me likes yeah. what I'm doing. So, yeah. Um, mm. so yeah, from there I kind of did freelance work for a couple years. Um, in the back of my head, it's funny. I feel like I was doing that freelance work. Freelance is tough because you're always designing for someone you're trying to meet someone else's right. vision it's not yeah. it is you they are coming to you because they love your style yeah. but it's also not your thing you know it's, it's like vision. I'm trying to meet I'm trying to make them happy yeah. what do you want you know totally. and so for me it was like while I actually love doing freelance work it was always pretty tough because I was always trying to meet someone else's expectation yeah. what they were expecting um, and so I just was like man it would be cool if I could do something that was mine and that I could own that was completely my vision and, and, and then just sell it. And you know? if other people want it, then they can yeah. buy it, but it's yeah. your
2: vision. And, yeah. yeah from the beginning. And so
3: I think for, after doing freelance for a couple of years, I was like, let's, I like, I always had in the back of my mind after I had Rye that, like, it would be rad to start a kid's clothing line. And because I was an illustrator, I did so much watercolor work to put those prints on little pieces of clothes. And yeah. I had found when I had her, I was like, man, how is there not, you know, the type of art that I like or that I do on clothes? It seems like a no-brainer. And so that was kind of the birth of my idea of, like, let's just try this thing. And so yeah. my dad, being a silkscreen printer and printing, I mean – that obviously was vital to the whole situation <laughs> to too. Have that, to have that, yeah, because we're how yeah, else and would you? and we both. I know, yeah. obviously, I had background in like right. product development and what it took right. to take an idea to a <laughs> yes. concept and to tech that pack product. it out and yeah. send it to someone to develop, and so. Um, it was kind of a no-brainer where I was yeah. like, I feel like this totally makes sense. And at the time, I had built enough of a social following where I was like, maybe all those moms, a lot of moms that follow me now on Instagram, will hopefully like what I'm doing too yeah. because they're interested in what I'm doing anyway. And so it was just this crazy organic kind of switchover. And I think we, you know, the first season. We were like, we shipped it all to my house and we had all the inventory <laughs> in our garage and like we sold out in a week and it was like, you know, I think it was like, I can't remember the units, but it was, I was very nervous about it because we had yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> and and were like, are people going to buy this? And, and I was it like, sold out and I, I had no idea. Yeah. And it sold out in a week and my dad was like, wow, that was interesting. Like, let's do Cause it he, again. Because he's in the business. Yeah. So
2: like he also could probably sell. Yeah. Sniff out or see if like is this actually something that is going to be successful? Yes, yeah, yeah. well,
3: I mean he didn't know either. I mean yeah. he he he's obviously I'm his daughter he's like, <laughs> right he's so like, he's like do whatever you want, honey, you know, and but then, like yeah. at the same time, it was like a risk like financially, yeah. and like I didn't know if that would be a return for us or if yeah. it would turn into anything um but yeah, so then we did it again, and the next season sold out just as quickly, and then. I went to my dad and I was like, I think this is something that like could be, you know, yeah. big, big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he was like, I do too. And so he ended up coming on and partnering with me 50, 50 in the business. Um, and really it's kind of just, I mean, I could say a lot of stories, but like, it's just kind of snowballed into this, crazy way bigger business than we ever both imagined I mean he's I'm all creative and he does kind of all the business side of stuff and so we worked together in the past with Jedediah with the brand that we had before um and I mean this is much more my vision and my baby and like and he's come on and just kind of really helped grow it and he has everything all the skill sets that I don't in terms of business so like I feel like every creative person needs that other counterpart and I mean, fortunately for me, I like trust my dad more than yeah. like
2: anyone. Yeah. So like, I mean, it just was like the perfect partnership, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I was just listening to, um, Taylor Sterling, just a different podcast that she was on. And she said the exact same thing. Like yeah. as a creative, like every person that's creative needs the person who's yeah. going like, to keep them on track totally. and like have the business things in mind for her. Totally. That's her business coach, Sam. Yeah. Like, yeah. That she needs. Yeah that kind of partner
3: and you do you need it I feel like you as a creative I feel like a lot of us are like dreamers and we think like big picture and but and we like create all these like things and we're 100% creative but then the business brain what it takes like with finances and selling and like strategy and you know there's so much more that I'm like is not my
2: gift. And I know that, you know, and like what you and I were just talking, talking about before we started recording. Um, so I made a little video for you, for your recent, (laughs) your your recent new business that you, that you started with Quincy, Quincy may, um, that you asked me to do a video. And I was like, I told you, I was like, and I didn't want to be paid for it because the minute all of a sudden I get paid for something, it's like that blocks, it feels like it blocks creativity for me Mm -hmm. and for me that's fine because being a videographer is not my career right like it's just something that I want to sort of keep sacred as like well
3: it turns into something that's like you have to do because you're not gonna get you know you're gonna get paid whereas if it's um, and it becomes a little bit stressful and burdensome. Yeah. It could, right. you know,
2: but it feels like that blocks creativity for me. But then I think to myself, well, I get the luxury of saying, oh, I get, this is just for creativity's sake and just for fun. Right. But if for somebody who this is their business, like mm-hmm. this is, this is what's going to, they need it. They need yeah. their creativity to make money for them. Right. right. Like I don't, I don't actually know how that happens because for me, I've always sort of like kept it. Separate, yeah. You know? But um, you have this whole other.
3: I'm well, yeah. <laughs> doing a lot more things. That's not like the main right. thing you're focusing. And I think
2: on. as a, being a therapist, it's, it's its own way. It's creative, right? But I don't know. Yeah, it's right. like how do you? But and what I'm hearing from you is like for you, it was really important to have that that other person, right? That allows. Yeah. Well, I for, just
3: know that that was a key component into the, into our success. Like yeah. I could go on and say, you know, like. Yeah, it's my art, and it's the styles that I'm designing, and it's, like, all this, which I fully believe that that's a huge part of it, and it's right. the way that we present the product and the f- photos we take, and it's it's all of it. It's a whole package yes. deal, but, like, that's everything visual, but there needs to be someone also behind the scenes that's doing all the yeah. other things. So yeah. it takes a team, for sure, and, like, fortunately, we've built such an awesome team. I mean, we're tiny. We're seven people, and now we have wow. two brands, Riley and Crew and Quincy May, and um, and we're a little team, so people are always like surprised, like who, who's doing everything. <laughs> we're right. like we, we're, we can, but it's not like it's not more than we can handle. I think it's a yeah. lot, but it's it's not more than we can handle. So,
2: um, what have been everyone some of keep, the, plays a key role? Yeah. What have been some of the things that you can you share? Like what some of like the the struggles have been, or challenges, or like things that you sort of had to learn along the way in the process?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I hired an assistant designer, uh, a year ago now, a little over a year ago, I think for a long time (laughs) for me, I've always done everything on my own. And so, especially as a freelancer, you do everything on your own, you know? Um, and so turning into a brand where it's like, you need, you need multiple players, you need more people than just yourself in order to grow, Um, You have to surrender and give up some of that control. And that's super hard for me. I think it's still super hard for me, actually. Um, I wonder, how can they help me? I feel like I have to do it all, though, Mm -hmm. because no one can do it like I can Mm -hmm. do it, you know? Yeah. And that's... A lie, because right. someone can probably
2: do it better than me. You mm-hmm. know, at some yeah. some of the things, right? Um, or and it could so, bring something in that maybe not is not better, but is something different. Something something that you different. I not have thought Absolutely, of or, yeah.
3: or mm-hmm. And so that for me has been a big learning curve. I feel like I kind of wore myself out, and when I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm still. I st- like I said. I think I still struggle with that control. But I think I maybe always will. Will. It's just the kind of nature of like a creative person. I feel like it's like yeah. if it, it's ever vision they want to kind of execute um but yeah I've had to have other people help me and come alongside me and be like okay you can do this social (laughs) like you can do you know that that whole layout that catalog I trust you with that because I can't do that plus finish all the things that I need to finish right Um, so that's been a little bit of a struggle a lot of bit of a struggle I guess for me I just think uh criticism and negativity sometimes when you are growing, you get a lot of that. I, well, especially as a clothing brand, I think you know yeah. you're selling a lot of stuff, and then it's going out all, in the world. It's going and out like in the world and being worn and being yeah. washed. And I guess like customer service, <sighs> like all the emails you get are yeah. obviously all the negative ones right. and the problems. And of course, there's going to be some problems, and we're not perfect, but yeah. we're trying our darndest. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that also all is has always been like. Tough if I hear the negative stuff, but at the end of the day, I have to know there's like so many more people that are loving it than are, you know, frustrated right. or mad about something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna always feel mad about something. Yeah. But
2: um, have you yeah. found a way to sort of? I mean, I'm sure sometimes they come in and it sticks, right? So it's not they're yeah. not just like going through. It's not just yeah. like passing. You're <laughs> letting go of it. But have you found other ways that you do navigate that? Like the. The criticism or the negative feedback, um, yeah. Like, how do you? Are there things that you've found that are, that help when those things do show up to allow you to sort of?
3: Um, up? I think in the beginning it was me getting the emails, <laughs> yeah. so that was tough. Yeah. Like, and now it's not me anymore, yeah. and I actually don't want to know all of it. Mm. So, like, yeah. I found so myself kind of protecting yourself. Yeah, just a protecting bit. myself a little bit. I think there's great value in knowing things that you're doing wrong, and. Yeah. And hearing hard stuff that can make you better, for sure. I think that's the only way you grow. And so I want to know the things that are important. And, like, I mean, if it fits off, gosh, let me know because I need to fix it and get that right next season. Um, But the negativity that is unwarranted or that just comes from someone that's having a bad day, like you know, that's the stuff I don't want to hear and don't need to know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I found protecting myself, not doing it, not hearing all of it, but right. hearing the, th- telling my customer service people, hey, tell me like, when like something's like I should know. In, but it's yeah. useful. Yeah, like, it's because useful. Because it's constructive that's criticism. That's the only way how you know grow. how you can get better. And yeah. I feel like I'm always, I've always been a person that like, I don't, I want to like, I mean, I for sure make mistakes, right? And like, I do things that are wrong. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to know when I'm do when something was off or when I did something wrong because I don't want to do that next time, you know. And so I want to grow and I want to learn and I want our company to always be one that's like Growing and learning and being better. I don't wanna ever I think the second you're in a place where you're like, Yeah, we're doing everything and right you're comfortable. <laughs> then like that's when
2: you like start going downhill. <laughs> right. You know? I mean all growth starts from discomfort. Yes. You know, like that's sort of where where growth begins is to, right. like wh- wherever that space is of discomfort. Mm-hmm. So speaking of discomfort or challenges, <laughs> um, <I might> <laughs> <laughs> so you you've been you've been mm-hmm. more open publicly about this, but this is something that I, that I've known that we've, that we've talked about, um, Mm -hmm. knowing you personally that you struggle with health stuff Mm -hmm. and specifically there's chronic pain that Mm -hmm. comes with it. Um, can you share with us a little bit of that, that history? And then we can kind of come into how these things come together in like the creative work and the work that you're doing as well. And just life. yeah.
3: So again, there's probably a long story too, to that, but, um, I think the, when well, when I was in, I guess going through puberty, <laughs> 11 yeah. around that yeah. age, like when your hormones start changing, I started having seizures um, and I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And so I had that for a couple of years. I took medication. Thankfully it was called juvenile onset where um, I grew out of it basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of that was the first telltale sign something's a little off with her like wiring you know mm-hmm. um I mean looking back now I can say that I think right. I think at the time at the I was time. like that was weird and yeah. like got through it and yeah. it was gone and I was healthy right um so but yeah like now knowing what I know now I was like oh that was probably the first sign that something mm-hmm. was off yeah um and then you know self-inflicted I you know late in high school struggle with an eating disorder, um, which I don't think helped my cause any later in life. Um, but I recovered from that a few years after college. Um, and then kind of about two years prior to having Riley, I was around when Sam and I were dating, um, I started having, like, crazy chronic just digestive issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to stop working for a season where I was just wanted to be curled up in a ball on the couch. Like, I went to so many doctors and, you know, was diagnosed with IBS and, you know, was told there was really nothing I could do. Um, I saw, like, a naturopathic doctor who was, like, gave me, like, I was taking, like, 30 pills a day um, to try and, like, help yeah. my gut and yeah. like just nothing was working um and so I mean it didn't get chronic chronic to where I was like like when I stopped working until like probably after we got married so I mean I was dealing with stomach gut stuff for a good three years yeah um and then I accidentally <laughs> got pregnant with Riley like literally on our one-year anniversary and um that was probably that one year, first year of our marriage, poor Sam. It was probably one of the hardest years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has probably been the other hardest year, but that was one of the hardest years of my life where I was like, my stomach was just a mess. Like, I I struggled to, like, walk and, you know, have – I had no good days. Um, but then – so, yeah, then I got pregnant, and I was like – that was when I was, like, trying all these different, you know, things. Yeah. I was taking these shake supplements. I was probably, like, 92 pounds, like wow. – crazy tiny. Um, and then I got pregnant. And then yeah. I was like, <laughs> how on earth do you create a human? How am I going to carry this baby in, in this body? This Well, not only body, but a, a gut. Yeah. <laughs> that was where all my pain went. It was just burning all the time. It just felt terrible. And I'm like, there's no way, you know? Oh. And so I was just praying that I could get through it and like, you know, whatever. And sure enough, like I call Riley my miracle baby because it was like, literally like i would say probably 3 months into the pregnancy when i realized i'm feeling i'm feeling a little bit better you know yeah. like even better than i was <sighs> right. before which was you know the Surprising. first couple of <laughs> months i was puking my brains <laughs> right. out and like even worse but like after i got through that it was like wow i feel a little bit better and then i realized you know i was kind of just starving all the time i don't know how other yeah. people are always with pregnancy everyone's so different but i was also very Underfed and malnourished at yeah, the time, yeah. and like I was just starving all the time. So I started to like, out of convenience, grab the things that I wasn't supposed to eat, gluten and dairy, and like I, I mean, would the things I like, had previously, hurt. yeah, that previously hurt, yeah. and I realized that they weren't affecting me anymore the way that they used to. And so I started kind of going crazy and eating like yeah. all the things because I was like, I think I can eat this. So like Sam always jokes like I would literally eat like a pizza. Like a whole pizza. <laughs> and, like, and be like, like <laughs> all, all the the food. Oh wow. Um so anyway, all of that to say, her pregnancy I got through her pregnancy, it was like I was feeling so much better. I delivered her and I was feeling pretty darn good. Like I, like yeah. how I I hadn't felt like that in over 4 years, I would say.
2: Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top. For my amazing community, Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DRCASSIDY15. So what are you waiting for? Really take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at gitcoexist.com. But then quickly after
3: her, I would say like a year after her, I started kind of having these weird heart kind of anxiety issues and started, and then, um, I mean, you know, it was my, my progression has been like a really slow progression. And now I know I have autoimmune diseases (laughs) and I think I've had them all along. I just didn't know what it was. It was like migrating pain. It was like never this one thing, but it was always weird. Like it was never like this you have a cold and you'll get better. You broke your foot. You'll get better. It was like really weird stuff. Like, yeah. like I felt like I had a stroke one time where my eyes would like go <laughs> like really weird. And like, I wouldn't be able to see. And then I'd have this ringing in my ear and then like an intense pain in my head. And then I was like, what the heck was that? Scary. <laughs> um, it's been so scary. That's so scary. scary. And it happened like a bunch of times. Um, and I still don't really know what that yeah. was. You know, they think it was some sort of migraine, but, um, yeah, so then I had Crew, and I, I mean, I felt like I was healthy enough to have another baby. Yeah. I wasn't, I, I feel like this year, which I have three babies now, Crew, Riley, who's seven, Crew, who's four, and Quincy, who just turned 15 months, which is mm-hmm. wild. I feel like I just had her. <laughs> um, but this year, after I had Quincy as the first year, I've really kind of gotten, thro- gotten thrown on my back, where I'm like, wow, we got to figure this out. Like, yeah. Like, I got diagnosed with POTS, which is a a heart condition. Um, My heart beats too fast um, and I get dizzy and see stars a lot. So I just have to be, drink a lot of water, have a lot of salt, like be careful for like, you know, with my heart. Um, But my blood pressure is really low. So anyway, (laughs) Um, I got diagnosed with that with him because I started having like a ton of palpitations while being pregnant with him. Yeah. And then thought they'd go away after, they didn't go away, went to a bunch of cardiologists and and, and autoimmune rheumatologists and stuff, and then officially got, got diagnosed with POTS, which is a little bit of an umbrella kind of diagnosis. I think a lot of people just are affected differently by POTS. And for me, I was pretty high-functioning, like it didn't... Um, some people can't walk like they, their blood, like it's basically your heart doesn't regulate. Like if you're laying down and you you sit up, oh, yeah. your heart rate spikes to like abnormally high to where you like might pass out. Yeah. And mine isn't that extreme, but it's like definitely affects me. Um, which also gave me, uh, a, a symptom of POTS is Renaud's, um, which is, affects my circulation. My feet are always white or purple, um, I have to always like keep them warm or wear yeah. socks, and it's not the most glamorous. But <laughs> working in fashion, you're, <laughs> like,
2: oh. you're like, I oh, mean, now
3: know. I'm kids doing kids' work, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense. I you feel like I I'm are. going all over no, the board.
2: you're sharing the story, and the story is not just linear, right? Yeah, like the story is not just going to be this like perfectly curated story. Yeah, it's the story of you. I feel
3: like mine's really hard to like kind of sum into this perfect yeah. little. Um, But I think that's representative of sort of like how it's probably felt. Totally. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, they, they suggested I go on a beta blocker when I had all my heart, when I got diagnosed with POTS and I went on that for a couple of months and it was making me feel worse. So I went off of it. So really it was just POTS that I was dealing with up until Quincy. And I was like, I feel like I just always, I mean, I really wanted another baby. I just didn't know if I should because of my body and, um, we were, Sam and I were like, praying about it and he was like good with two (laughs) and I I just really had this like you know ache in my heart for like another baby and I was like I think one more, I think my body can do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, my pots got really bad with Quincy. It was like, I, I kind of started getting visual changes that weren't just like the dizziness. I yeah. had a lot of like specks and floaters and like, it's kind of scary stuff where you like your vision kind of yeah. seems like it might, you might go blind. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. None of it being life-threatening, but it was just scary. And then heart palpitations are just a little scary. I've I've gotten so used to them; and they're just a part of my everyday life now. But like when you're pregnant and having heart oh, palpitations, yeah. it's like yeah. literally like thousands a day, where you're just like
2: it just gets to be like a little scary. And you're already so tuned into your body, or you can't. So I know yeah. I was in my, during my pregnancies, right? Mm-hmm. Always like, well, what was that sensation? What was this? And mm-hmm. and it's easy to, for that to turn into anxiety and worry. About yes. How things. So it's happen. funny
3: because I've never considered myself to have anxiety, yeah. but like since, uh, kind of really in the last six years with all the health stuff I've had, I for sure think I now have anxiety, yeah. but it's true. It's been triggered by fear of like yeah. he- health fears, which is like fear of death, fear right. of like not being able to take care of my kids. Like, well,
2: And I'm putting this in context with our experience of losing a friend mm-hmm. to cancer, right? Yeah. And so now it's it's you always know that it's real, that you can be young mm-hmm. and have young children and and that bad things you can die, right? Like that, that's mm-hmm. always a possibility. But like when you're faced with it as directly as we were while also from hearing you talk about this, like going through your own health stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's understandable that fear would show up and be yeah. like yep, this doesn't feel safe. Like, yep. and at all. That you, yeah, would then experience anxiety. And then heart palpitations, I mean, you know, a racing heart is something that can be linked with anxiety anyway. And right. So
0: and to, so
3: sometimes I was like, is this an, an anxiety attack or yeah. is this just my heart freaking out and I think it's anxiety, you know, but I think I have both because oh, I've, yeah. I never used to have anxiety, but with the heart issues, it, fe- it almost feels like anxiety. So it's like, it gives me anxiety. So now you're having a circle of like, it's a, it's really, it was a vicious cycle. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, with her, I had, you know, it got pretty intense, and I was like, well, I just have to get through this birth and, like, this, yeah. and it was it was a really rough pregnancy for me, like, really rough, um, but <laughs> her birth story is kind of crazy. She, like, I mean, my all my births were, like, under three hours. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I have these kind of hard, really hard, like, pregnancies, but then... The birth I just, mean, <laughs> God, I was like, I'm going to give you some mercy on these <laughs> yes. births, because... You deserve it. But well, she, her, Quincy was a little scary. She like, I didn't have, I barely made it to the hospital and there was like no doctor and she came flying did out. did Sam
2: even make it? He wasn't in the he room. Was in yeah, wasn't Yeah.
3: Cause it was so fast. It was wild. Yeah. yeah. I was like holding her for like 10 minutes and they're like, do you want your cell phone? Like, do you want to call your husband? And cause he was literally just <laughs> out like waiting for my mom to like pick <laughs> oh up the kids. Like he had just dropped me off. I was like, yeah, let me call him and tell and him tell to come him meet his baby. <laughs> oh my god. But so sure enough, after I had her, I separated my pubic bone, I think because of that wild delivery. Yeah. And so I really, it was rough. I like couldn't walk for like a month and a half. I remember coming to
2: visit you like pretty soon after when Quincy was born and you said you had separated your pubic bone and you looked (laughs) like you were in so much pain, like you couldn't walk. It was
3: really horrible. It was probably like, um, I mean, I don't, I don't, don't tell people this very much, but like the labor and de- like the de- yeah. delivery wasn't wildly painful, like, but yeah. like the pain of like this after. knife, like, yeah, after the, after pain was unreal. Like I, so and great. I, and so like you hear about autoimmune conditions a lot. And I've talked to a lot of people since, and they're like, you know, like anything can like trigger an autoimmune. Yeah condition. And so part of me, like looking back, I'm like, maybe that was like triggered then. And like, you know, I don't know that delivery. Yeah. That delivery and how kind of the delivery itself to me didn't feel traumatic, but like the pain afterward was super traumatic. And not only that, but like she, we, she had trouble gaining weight. So like, she was like, Go, we had to go to a doctor's office like every day every, yeah. like of of the week like yeah. for a month but like i could hardly walk so i was like hobbling to doctor's offices oh. like trying to get her to latch i was going to like yeah. i was going to like um all these specialists to try and get her to latch and like she did the tongue and lip tie which i don't know if anyone yeah. listening has yeah. done that but that's traumatic it in is, and of yeah. itself mm-hmm. um anyway it was super rough so like her and I were
2: both in really bad shape um but okay in all of this while you are (laughs) running a business and you have two other children yeah I mean how did you I mean my mom
3: lives close by she helped a lot Sam thankfully has a super flexible job he was like able to take off and help and Um, I mean, I obviously was not working during that season. It was just, we're going to put that on pause right now. (laughs) Not that it was on pause, but it was thankfully during a season where it wasn't like crazy deadlines. And I I was able to take that time off. And you planned for that. We planned for that, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was like, it was wild. So I guess quickly after I separated my pubic bone, it it was about like a month I would say a month and a half to where that like healed. It's not even fully healed still, but like to where it was like not crazy painful anymore. Um, I started um, having really bad pain in my feet, which I then, it was like painful to walk again (laughs) (laughs) to where I was like, I just started to see all these doctors and they're like, you have plantar fasciitis in both your feet. And I was like, that's cool. Like why? (laughs) Um, And so I did all like the treatments and stuff for that. Nothing helped. Quickly after that, I started having pain in my legs and, like, my piriformis muscles, like, burning, cramping, like, nervy pain also. And so I was going to, like, physical therapists to try and, like, see, like, what is happening. And I still think that it all was triggered by whatever happened with that delivery. Um, And then I finally saw my rheumatologist. I'm like, what? Like, is anything different? I took all this blood work. Um, They're like... You actually have Sjogren's now, which is, like, another autoimmune condition, which I'm actually still not—I'm still learning. Like, I still feel like I'm at just the beginning of, like, trying to figure out what's happening. Um, Sorry. No, (laughs) it's
2: What's the emotion that's coming up? Is is it just— It's just been hard, you know? Yeah. It sounds like it's been—it sounds like a lot, and it sounds like it's been really, really
3: yeah, I think the hard, the hard part, the hardest part for me is, um, it really, has kind of been the unknown.
2: Yeah,
3: like, um, I feel like I'm a person that like that's like, if there's a problem, let's let's fix it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I but I first need to know the problem. Like, right. you know, like I need to know what's going on. Let's like get to the bottom of it and let's fix it. Um, and with this. It's kind of been, there's been so much unknown, you know, and like coming to
2: terms with that is hard. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Because you've mentioned, um, you mentioned God and you mentioned something else before that. Um, and just in knowing you, I'm, I'm curious what has been the role or the struggle, or the meaning, or whatever shows up for you with all of this as it relates to spirituality? Mm -hmm. I
3: think in the beginning, it was really hard for me. I was like, like, I had a lot of questions, like, why? Um, I'm also, like, a really realistic person, where I'm like, I know there's other people struggling more than I am. Like, yeah, I'm not this, like, unicorn that has these weird things, and no one else does. Like, there's a lot of people that are like way worse off. And so I always need to remember that. Yeah. But sometimes if you're in a situation where like you don't know anyone around you that are dealing with the same struggle, you feel alone. You feel crazy alone. And so I think for me, I think it's been, I mean, it's been a couple of years. And so like in the beginning, it was like, why why mm-hmm. would why would you do this to me? <laughs> the question yeah. yeah um and i it's and i'm not that much further along physically yeah. mm-hmm. but like i am i am further along in my i feel like mental state because i'm um i think just being open and being vulnerable and like sharing my story with other people has helped me a lot kind of it's almost therapeutic for me as as much as it is i'm hopeful that it's like yeah. helping other people Um, but I think for me, the hope, I I feel like, um, to get through this and like to have a hope that there's like something good on the other side of this is God. Like, I'm like, I know he, he is, I mean, I know good can cut. And a lot of times you have to go through something hard to have something beautiful, right? You have to that you have to drudge through something or work hard or something hard has to happen before something good happens. And so for me, it's like, I know this body that I'm living in now isn't my final body. And I believe that I'm going to have like a perfect body later. I don't, but I would love to not be living in this body (laughs) for the rest of my life. That would be real nice. You know, that, that is a, that is something that I know I have innate hope for. Yeah. Um, But then on the other side, I also think that um, going through pain and, like, going through struggle, in whatever capacity—I mean, mine happens to be um, physical—it builds our character. Yeah. And it, like, it draws me personally closer to God um, because I need Him, you know? I need need something. I (laughs) need— to have hope that like, you know, this will get better. And if it doesn't, to have hope that I he'll give me the endurance that I need Mm -hmm. to run the course, you know?
2: Yeah.
3: Um, And I also think it like, um, it allows me, it it has allowed me, especially especially this year, I just have felt like I've been kind of walking through a lot of character growth (laughs) myself. Um, But it's allowed me to like, relate to other people that are struggling in such a bigger capacity than I ever have before and I think that's super valuable I think other people like need that like we we need each other you know and like to have other people know that I understand kind of the pain um in some degree is like
2: I think it's kind of life-changing you know I think that well, you started public, more publicly talking about these things, and and I know you, and I know like I've I get the pleasure of knowing that beyond what is what people what might imagine your life is right that this person who has beautiful children and this dream job and all yeah. of these things right and like really fashionable, <laughs> you know like be, these beautiful images like I get the pleasure of um of knowing you and knowing like the. Knowing you, outside of those like perfect, beautiful, curated yeah. images, the real you—you
3: you can see that yes. it's like it is. Because um, I feel like so much of the time, it's—I mean, I—I'm guilty of this too. You—we're in such an Instagram world, right? right, where we like just look on our phones and we. We, like, wish we, we had that girl's body or that girl's job or that girl's house. Like, I'm guilty of the house things currently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, like, it's never... Everyone is struggling. Behind those pictures, we all have things. It might seem like it's perfect. But it's one-dimensional. It's, it's showing so one dimension. dimension. And I know we all know that, but we always need to be reminded of it. You can never be reminded of that enough. And it's, like, for me, I'm, like... I I felt almost kind of convicted like I should be sharing this mm-hmm. it's not just something that like yeah. you know I can just sit here and keep to
2: myself it almost felt fake it's like, not, not something that I can just go through and that's that there is something in that for me to be going through there's something else that by actually sharing this and the yeah. power of vulnerability and sharing, right. sharing all this that there is some meaning there's meaning in that too totally and that's not to take away from the fact that you wish that you could be in a different body and not feel the pain. Yeah. And like that, like, oh, because then I think there's like, it's not about, it's not like I need my pain to then give this message. Like, and no. I don't think that that's, that that's the message there, yeah. but that there's, but there's some in like, there's almost like, this is something that I can have agency in, right. And yeah. like be doing and creating connections. And that feels good. That feels Well, yeah. Feels and really. also like while you're in it, it's like, you might as
3: well have something good come from that, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I think like a lot of times our culture is like pursuit of happiness, right? right. That's the goal. Yeah. But like... And that can be really, that can be, that can really, be really dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Totally. But like, I'm suffering. Yeah. And like, I, my hope is that through this suffering, something good is comes out of it, right? Hopefully for me at some point, And, well, I guess sharing it and being vulnerable with my story has been good for me. I feel like my mental state and where I am, like, mentally is way better than what it was in the beginning of when this started. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with sharing and realizing that other people are, like, praying for me or, like, not that I'm happy anyone's struggling, but if we can share our experiences together... It's just, it's really freeing. It's the loneliness that we talked about. Like, it's you no longer feel like you're yeah. alone. Um, and I think a lot of people need that, you know. And so I was like, well, the least I can do is just share that I'm not this perfect person, and that these struggles are real for me. And hopefully, someone else out there maybe feels like a little bit less alone and. Their walk, whatever they're going through. So, well,
2: I imagine whoever is listening right now. Um, I, mean, I, I just, it's. I know we talked in the beginning about how you're like it's so much better because it's just you and me. But like, <laughs> obviously, we know that people are listening. Yeah. Um, and I just, I wish that, I wish that they were actually here because there's just so much um, vulnerability in your face and <laughs> your and in being in this like space with you right now. Um, and I. I hope it's all coming through. I think that it is. So, so I'm curious, Kelly. You know, because we've talked about like the loneliness piece um, and and all of that. But you know, you're you're. It's interesting, right? You can feel alone while also being surrounded, like mm-hmm. surrounded by your kids. Sometimes the loneliest feelings, though, are when you're like surrounded by by kids and by people because they have needs too, mm-hmm. and it's like you're trying to. How do you? how do you balance all of those things? Mm-hmm. Um, and also just because you're being so busy, there's also the business and all mm-hmm. of that. So I'm curious how, how do you navigate that? The, and I actually hate the word balance cause it's like, how does, is that even possible? You know, but nope, how, no, <laughs> that's the answer. So like, how do you, how do you guys navigate or sort of hold space for like all of these pieces the health, having, being a mother, having three children, your business, a marriage, partnership. Yeah. How do you do all that? Um, like you
3: said, balance is like a myth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think but early on I thought that that for sure was possible for me, but I quickly learned that it was just not going to happen. Yeah. I feel like you have to make your priorities and do the best you can every day to like you know, do the things that need to get done and whatever can't get done, you have to be okay with that. And sometimes
2: that's making hard choices. That's like,
3: I'm choosing to put this thing first. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, for me, it's like, I have, I'm super thankful. I have my, I have family that lives close. I have, we have an incredible nanny. And so I for sure have help. I I mean, there's no way I could do anything without help. And so I'm thankful I have this like I mean, people say it takes a village and it like literally does, (laughs) especially when your body's falling apart. (laughs) Um, but I think for me, it's always been hard to, to give myself the time and to give myself the care that it needs and, and that might be part of the reason my health isn't where it should be. Um, I don't think it is a reason, but I think it for sure doesn't help that, that I'm so busy and that life is stressful and then I have other kids and (laughs) like, it's it's definitely hard. Um, but it's also, you know, I think, I think falling on my face this year and realizing I can't do all this anymore because physically every day, like my body hurts. It's forced me to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. It's forced me to get in the mindset that like at work, it's like, if I didn't finish that, I'm going to stay late and I'm going to finish it. And we're going to, you know, but now I'm like, No, I'm leaving at four, and like I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna lay down because that project, it was it's due tomorrow, but it's not gonna be done tomorrow, so it's gonna be late, and that's okay, and like be okay with not being perfect, and be okay with not meeting deadlines, and just being okay with not being
2: (laughs) perfect, I guess.
3: Yeah, at Um, at work as a a, a mom, as a mom too. too. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like. Obviously, any mom knows, you know, three kids is demanding. It's not only physically. I actually get more exhausted on the days I'm home oh, 100%. all day than the Me days too. that I'm at work. And Me people too. are like, that's so stressful. How do you have a job? How do you work every day? But You're I'm like, like no, it's actually easier.
2: That's, that's a break." That's <laughs> so a break. to <laughs> be honest,
3: high five to all the stay-at-home yeah. moms because it's the hardest job there is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love my kids and I love spending quality time with them. And I feel like... I've, you know, it's just, I have to prioritize that. Yeah. And so I take my kids on dates, you know, one, one-on-one. I feel like that's like my favorite thing I can do with them. It's like one-on-one, take them on a date, tell them how great and special they are. And it's just food for the soul for both of yeah. us. Um And so, yeah, I feel like this balance thing, it's like, it's not, it's just not the right word, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, people have said juggle and it's more like a juggle, I guess. I know. I think we're
2: always trying to like capture language to kind of like articulate like the experience of it. Right. And the the word we come up with with is balance, which is just so... I mean, I get it, but I get it. But it's (laughs) like a balance means that like in all, in, in order to have balance, right? If you think about like a balance, like a machine that's like balancing things, it needs every thing that it's holding to be an equal weight right and that's like we're, well, that's, we're actually in the opposite of that like right. we're constantly having to say okay i'm choosing to to tune into this and prioritize this mm-hmm. so that i can put my energy into this and mm-hmm. that does mean i'm not tuning into this doesn't mean it's not important to me but it yeah. means that i'm setting boundaries and i'm making tough choices right. and that that always is moving right know? yeah yeah so i'm just trying to do my best every day you know and that's that's the most beautiful thing you can offer yourself and your children is good enough, you know?
3: Like, yeah, and I read this thing the other day. I think it was on Mother Mag's Instagram, and I loved it so much where it was like, I think Drew Barrymore said it, where it was like, I want to tell my kids that it's like, I'm proud of what I do. I mm-hmm. go to work because it's something I love and it's something that that fulfills me and it's something I'm doing for them too, mm-hmm. you know? And like, it's like, I don't want them to ever think that work is like this, she said like this yucky thing that I have to go do that takes me away from them. Mm. It's a the thing that's like mm-hmm. beneficial, yeah. you know, and needed in the world and yeah. like empower them to chase their dreams too. And mm. to, you know, and I love that. Cause I was yeah. like, man, I want them to know that too, that like yeah. they can do whatever they want to do and be whoever they want to be. If they put their mind to it and work hard and, I love my job and I love them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just trying to figure out how you can be the best for, with your circumstance. I don't know. Yeah. So
2: where can, where can people continue to like follow your work and you personally and the businesses that you're growing and doing and, and all of that?
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, it's Kelly on Instagram. It's just at Kelly underscore Murray. Mm-hmm. I'm not posing there a ton anymore, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, but Rileyandcrew.com is my brand, and you can find us on Instagram at Rileyandcrew. And then we just launched a Layette um, baby brand called Quincy May. And that one, on Instagram, that one's underscore Quincy
2: May. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.
0: Our family has grown.